Chapter 7 of History of Billy the Kid by Charles A. Seringo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. History of Billy the Kid by Charles A. Seringo. Chapter 7 Billy the Kid Kills Two More Men. At the head of a reckless band, he steals horses by the wholesale. He becomes desperately in love with Miss Dulcuea del Toboso. After their escape from Lincoln, Billy the Kid got his little band together and made a business of stealing stock and gambling. Their headquarters were made in the hills near Fort Stanton, only a few miles above Lincoln. The soldiers at the fort paid no attention to them. Now Governor Lew Wallace, the famous author of Ben-Hur, of Santa Fe, the capital of the territory of New Mexico, issued a proclamation granting a pardon to Billy the Kid and his followers, if they would quit their lawlessness, but the Kid laughed it off as a joke. On the fifth day of August, Billy the Kid and gang rode up in plain view of the Mescalero Indian Agency and began rounding up a band of horses. A Jew by the name of Bernstein mounted a horse and said he would go out and stop them. He was warned of the danger, but persisted in his purpose of preventing the stealing of their band of gentle saddle horses. When Mr. Bernstein rode up to the gang and told them to vamoose, in other words, to hit the road, the kid drew his rifle and shot the poor Jew dead. This was the kid's most cowardly act. His excuse was that he didn't like a Jew know-how. During the fall, the government had given a contract to a large gang of Mexicans to put up several hundred tons of hay at $25 a ton. As they drew their pay, the kid and gang were on hand to deal Monty and win their money. When the contract was finished, there was no more business for the kid's Monty game, so with his own hand, as told to the author by himself, he set fire to the haystacks one windy night. Now the government gave another contract for several hundred tons of hay at fifty dollars a ton as the work had to be rushed before frost killed the grass. When payday came around, the kids' Monty game was raking in money again. The new stacks were allowed to stand, as it was too late in the season to cut the grass for more hay. During the fall, the kid and some of his gang made trips to Fort Sumner. Beaudry and Skurlock always remained near their wives in Lincoln, but finally those two outlaws moved their families to Sumner, where a rendezvous was established. Here one of their gang, who always kept in the dark and worked on the sly, lived with his Mexican wife, a sister to the wife of Pat Garrett. His name was Barney Mason, and he carried a curse of God on his brow for the killing of John Ferris, a cowboy friend of the writer's, in the early winter of 1878. On one of his trips to Fort Sumner, Billy the Kid fell desperately in love with a pretty little 17-year-old half-breed Mexican girl, whom we will call Miss Dulcinea del Toboso. She was a daughter of a once-famous man, 
and a sister to a man who owned sheep on a thousand hills. The falling in love with this pretty young miss was virtually the cause of Billy the Kid's death, as up to the last he hovered around Fort Sumner like a moth around a blazing candle. He had no thought of getting his wings singed. He couldn't resist the temptation of visiting this pretty little miss. During the month of September 1878, the kid and part of his gang visited the town of Lincoln, and on leaving there stole a large band of fine range horses from Charlie Fritz and others. This band of horses was driven to Fort Sumner, thence east to Tascosa in the wild panhandle of Texas on the Canadian River. While disposing of these horses to the cattlemen and cowboys, the kid and his gang camped for several weeks at the LX Cattle Ranch, twenty miles below Tascosa. It was here, during the months of October and November, 1878, that the writer made the acquaintance of Billy the Kid, Tom O'Falliard, Henry Brown, Fred Wyatt, John Middleton, and others of the gang whose names can't be recalled. The author had just returned from Chicago, where he had taken a shipment of fat steers, and found this gang of outlaws camped under some large cottonwood trees, within a few hundred yards of the LX headquarter ranch house. For a few weeks, much of my time was spent with Billy the Kid. We became quite chummy. He presented me with a nicely bound book, in which he wrote his autograph. I had previously given him a fine meerschaum cigar holder. While loafing in their camp, we passed off the time playing cards and shooting at marks. With our Colt's forty-five pistols, I could hit the mark as often as the kid, but when it came to quick shooting, he could get in two shots to my one. I found Billy the Kid to be a good-natured young man. He was always cheerful and smiling. Being still in his teens, he had no sign of a beard. His eyes were a hazel blue, and his brown hair was long and curly. The skin on his face was tanned to a chestnut brown, and was as soft and tender as a baby's. He weighed about 140 pounds, and was five feet eight inches tall. His only defects were two upper front teeth, which projected outward from his well-shaped mouth. During his many visits to Tascosa, where whiskey was plentiful, the kid never got drunk. He seemed to drink more for sociability than for the love of liquor. Here Henry Brown and Fred Wyatt quit the kid's outlaw gang and went to the Chickasaw Nation in the Indian Territory, where the parents of half-breed Fred Wyatt lived. It is said that Fred Wyatt, in later years, served as a member of the Oklahoma legislature. Henry Brown became city marshal of Caldwell, Kansas, and while wearing his star, rode to the nearby town of Medicine Lodge with three companions and in broad daylight held up the bank, killing the president, Wiley Payne, and his cashier, George Jeppert. This put an end to Henry Brown, as the enraged citizens mobbed the whole band of bad men. 
the snow had begun to fly when the kid and the remnant of his gang returned to fort sumner new mexico one of his followers john middleton had sworn off being an outlaw and rode away from tascosa for southern kansas where the author met him in later years he had settled down to a peaceful life the kid made his headquarters at fort sumner so as to be near his sweetheart he made several raids into lincoln county to steal cattle and horses on one of these trips to lincoln county his respect for women and children avoided a bloody battle with united states soldiers in the month of february eighteen seventy nine william h mcbroom at the head of a united states surveying crew established a camp at the roberts ranch on the penasco creek in the pecos valley while absent with most of his crew mr mcbroom left a young man twenty-two years of age will m tipton in charge of the camp and extra mules a young mexican by the name of nicholas gutierrez was detailed to help young tipton care for the stock their camp was within a few hundred feet of the roberts home on the bank of the creek one morning mr roberts started up the river to roswell to buy supplies leaving his wife grown daughter and five-year-old son at the ranch late that evening captain hooker and some negro soldiers pitched camp near the roberts home they had several american prisoners with them to be taken to fort stanton and placed in jail that night after supper mr will m tipton who at this writing nineteen twenty is a highly respected citizen of santa fe new mexico says he and nicholas gutierrez were sitting on the bank of the creek in their camp he was playing a guitar while nicholas was singing just then a horseman climbed up the steep embankment from the bed of the creek and dismounted this stranger began asking questions about the soldiers camp where the campfires blazed brilliantly in the pitchy darkness finally the stranger gave a shrill whistle and soon a companion rode into camp out of the bed of the creek this second visitor was a slender boyish young man who seemed anxious to learn all about the soldiers camp in a few moments three negro soldiers strolled into camp and chatted a while when they left to return to their quarters the two strangers bade tipton and his companion good night and rode down the bed of the creek at noon next day mr roberts returned from roswell on meeting young tipton he remarked you boys had billy the kid as a visitor last night he then told of meeting the kid and his band of warriors that morning and of how the kid told of his visit to the mcbroon camp he told will tipton that the small young man was the kid Billy the Kid had told Roberts that they had planned to make a charge into the soldiers' camp and liberate the prisoners, who were friends of theirs, but finding that Mrs. Roberts and the children were alone, and that the soldiers' camp was so near the Roberts' home, they gave up the proposed battle, knowing that the shooting would disturb Mrs. Roberts and the family. Mr. Roberts explained to Mr. Tipton 
that he had always fed the kid and his warriors when they happened by his place, hence their friendship for him. Now the kid and his party rode to Lincoln to use their influence in a peaceful way to liberate their friends, whom Captain Hooker intended to turn over to the new sheriff of Lincoln County. In Lincoln the kid met his former chum, Jesse Evans, and they started out to celebrate the meeting. With Jesse Evans was a desperado named William Campbell. One night a lawyer named Chapman, who had been sent from Las Vegas to settle up the McSween estate, was in the saloon when Campbell shot at his feet to make him dance. The lawyer protested indignantly and was shot dead by Campbell. Jimmy Dolan and J.B. Matthews, being present, were later arrested along with Campbell for this killing. Dolan and Matthews came clear at the preliminary trial, and Campbell was bound over to the grand jury. He was taken to Fort Stanton and placed in jail. There he made his escape and has never been heard of in that part of the country since. Now Billy the Kid and Tom O'Falliard rode back to Fort Sumner, but soon returned to Lincoln, where they were arrested by Sheriff Kimbrell and his deputies, merely as a matter of performing their duty, but with no intention of disgracing them. They were turned over to Deputy Sheriff T.B. Longworth and guarded in the home of Don Juan Patron, where they were wined and dined. On the 21st day of March, 1879, Deputy Sheriff Longworth received orders to place his two prisoners in the town jail, a filthy hole. Arriving at the jail door, the kid told Mr. Longworth that he had been in this jail once before, and he swore he would never go into it again, but, to avoid making trouble, he would go back on his pledge. On a pine door to one of the cells, the kid wrote with his pencil, William Bonney was incarcerated first time, December 22, 1878, second time, March 21, 1879, and hope I will never be again. W. H. Bonney. This inscription showed on the old jail door for many years after it was written. The first time the kid was put in this jail he walked right out, and this second time he broke down the door when he got ready to go. After breaking out of the jail, the kid and O'Falliard spent a couple of weeks in Lincoln, carrying their rifles whenever they walked through the street in plain view of the sheriff. In April they returned to Fort Sumner and were joined by Charlie Beaudry and Skurlock. Jesse Evans had left for the lower Pecos, where he was later killed, according to reports. The summer was spent by the kid and his followers stealing cattle and horses. In October they went to Roswell and stole a hundred and eighteen head of John Chisholm's fattest steers and later sold them to Colorado beef buyers. The kid claimed that Chisholm owed him for fighting his battles during the Lincoln County War, and he was using this method to get his pay. From now on, for the next year, the kid and gang did a wholesale business in stealing cattle. 
Tom Cooper and his gang had joined issues with the kid and party, and they established headquarters at the Portales Lake, a salty body of water at the foot of the Staked Plains, about seventy-five miles east of Fort Sumner. Here a permanent camp was pitched against a cliff of rock at a fresh water spring, and it afterward became noted as Billy the Kid's Cave. A rock wall had been built against the cliff to take in the spring, and afforded protection as a fort in case of a surprise from Indians or law officers. They had the whole country to themselves, as there were no inhabitants, only drifting bands of buffalo hunters. Raids were made into the Texas Panhandle, the western line being a few miles east of their camp, and fat steers stolen from the LX and LIT cattle ranges on the Canadian River. These herds of stolen steers were driven to Tularosa in Dona Ana County, New Mexico, and turned over to Pat Coughlin, the king of Tularosa, who had a contract to furnish beef to the U.S. soldiers at Fort Stanton. Coughlin had made a deal with Billy the Kid to buy all the steers he could steal in the Texas Panhandle and deliver to him in Tularosa. In January 1880, the Kid added another notch on the handle of his pistol as a man-killer. He and a crowd of the Chisholm Cowboys were celebrating in Bob Hargrove's saloon in Fort Sumner. A bad man from Texas, by the name of Joe Grant, was filling his hide full of kill-me-quick whiskey in the Hargroves' saloon. Grant pulled a fine, ivory-handled Colt's pistol from the scabbard of Cowboy Finan, putting his own pistol in place of it. Here the kid asked Grant to let him look at this beautiful ivory-handled pistol. The request was granted. Then the kid revolved the cylinder and saw there were two empty chambers. He let the hammer down so that the first two attempts to shoot would be failures. Now the pretty pistol was handed back to Grant, and he stuck it in his scabbard. A little later, Grant stepped behind the bar so as to face the crowd, and jerking his pistol, he began knocking glasses off the bar with it. Eyeing Billy the Kid, he remarked, "'Pard, I'll kill a man quicker than you will for the whiskey.' The kid accepted the challenge. Grant fired at the kid, but the hammer struck on an empty chamber. Now the kid planted a ball between Grant's eyes, and he fell over dead. At the Bosque Grande on the Pecos River, the three Derrick boys, Sam, Dan, and Mose, owned a ranch, which became quite a rendezvous for the kids and Tom Cooper's gangs. From here, the herds of stolen Panhandle, Texas cattle were started across the waterless desert to the foot of the Capitan Mountains, a distance of about 100 miles. Here, Dave Rudabaugh, who had the previous fall killed the jailer in Las Vegas in trying to liberate his friend, Webb, joined Billy the Kid's gang. Also, Billy Wilson and Tom Pickett joined the party and their time was spent stealing cattle and horses. End of chapter 7 Recording by Roger Moline